Good morning. Um, as Pastor said, I am Hannah Thomas, and yes, I've been here since 2007, and I did, I do have approval for my introduction for my husband, so he knows what I'm going to say. He's with me, because I was here first, so I'm just letting you, he's with me. I'm not with him, he's with me, okay? All right. Uh, with that being said, um, I've seen how God's been moving in this church since 2007. Um, as much as we want God to like work it like this, but it doesn't work that way. And um, I've seen Miss Nancy praying for the school. She would come in and she would pray. She would walk around. She would go in the classroom and pray. And definitely this church prays a lot, which is it's a great thing. It's an awesome thing. We need people who loves to pray. Um, prayer works. Prayer moves. Even though we don't see it, you know, like how we want to see it, but it is working. It's always in his timing. And Pastor always said, we need a bridge. We need to bring school and the church together. There's a gap. We need, we need something. We need something. And I, I agree. I agree. But at that time, I'm just like, yeah, we got to find somebody. You know, I'm not thinking like, yeah, it's, no, at that time, Drew and I, we were um, youth ministers, so I'm just like, yes, yes. And a few years, few years back, pastor was like, we really got to find someone, like, God's moving. And I was like, yeah, and inside my heart, I was like, you know, that stirring, but at the same time, like, you're like, pushing it down. I was like, no, I don't, I don't, you know, I was like, I don't know. And I talked to my husband. I was like, God's really moving. I see things. Children are coming to God. And he's like, that's awesome. That's great. Um, God hasn't spoken to him yet. And for me, he was just stirring me. I'm not saying he said yes. He was stirring my heart up. And then this year, um, when did you step down? end of April. So pastor goes, hey, we have this position, children's ministry. And I was like, yeah, I know where you're going with this. And I said, I'm going to let God talk to Drew. Because if we're going to be on board here, I need God to speak to Drew. Um, so I, I said, we're gonna, I'm going to pray. And I mentioned it to Drew, and he was like, okay, all right. I was like, okay. And I was like, don't get too excited. Don't get excited. <laughs> so I just I just left it to on the shelf and just, you know, do my own thing. You know, I'm just like, okay. And then Drew comes. He was like, we need to go to Riverview. I was like, why? Why do we need to go there? Because, you know, like, you have that stirring, you're, like, pushing the pot down, and you don't want to go, woohoo! And then he's like, no, but that's not. So I didn't want to set myself up, so I was just like, okay, we'll, we'll go. And after the church was done, he was like, what did you think? I think it is. I think this is it. I was like, are you sure? <laughs> and he was like, yeah. I was like, are you really sure? You know, I was stunned. I was like, okay. And I know pastor, he's a great pastor. Um, he's also like a father figure to me too. Cause, um, he, he always makes sure that I'm taken care of. He knows I like to work and I like to do things outside of my work time. I take it home and I'm always here. So he's like, no, that's not going to happen. So he's always making sure that there's a balance. And um, with that being said, I'm really excited. Drew and I are very, very excited. And um, Matthew 19, chapter 19, verse 13 and 14 came into mind. Um, people were bringing children to Jesus, and disciples were like, no, like, no. You know, like, they're not good enough. And Jesus like, hold up, no, let them come to me. Like, they are important. They're important for the kingdom of God. And a um, couple of years, um, I've been seeing God moving in our school program here, Sunday, not Sunday school, um, early learning center. Um, 
God's moving in there. Um, at one time, um, a few years back, I did not know if I was going to have a job or how many hours I'm going to have. And here we are, God's blessing us with children. You know, they're coming. And, um, and I see that God's moving in the church too. And we're just honored that pastor thought of us that, hey, I think you guys would be a great fit for us. And then also that the timing was right too. Um, I'm thankful that, you know, God thought of us. And then the pastor thought of us and that you like us, hopefully, <laughs> that to work with your children. We're really excited and we want, we're excited that we're going to be part of what the God's movement that's going on in, our, in this church and in the school. So um, with that being said, I'm just going to give the, the floor to Drew. Right, praise God. I'm going to move this around. Unfortunately, I can't memorize all my sermons like Pastor John can, so I need my my trusty iPad here. You just make it up. I... <laughs> yeah. So praise God. What Hannah was saying is uh, just just so true, and I'm really blessed that we're a part of what God's doing here. Uh, I started again being a part of the school age program just the beginning of May. And even in that month time that I've been here, I've just seen God doing so many things. And I think the first time that we were here, when I said, hey, let's just check out Riverview and see what God might want for us, it was just like, I just want to cry like seven different times throughout the service. Just kind of being like overwhelmed by God's presence and seeing what God is doing here. And man, just so many things that God's doing. It's just like, well, this is it. Like there was no doubt that God wanted us here for this time. And it's exciting because for years, I think I kind of was, you know, doing some stuff and trying to find out God's will, but I never had that, like, this is it. And so it is such a good feeling to know you're at where God wants you to be in life. And so we're, we're just blessed to be here. And there's, there's so many things that she was saying about the bridging that gap between the school and the church. And I was just thinking even the last month, even in the service today, there's like seven or so, eight new kids that are in our summer camp that are now here at our church listening to what's going on, and, and it's awesome. And so I just want to uh, share a three points that I had on my heart, and I'm going to talk more about the school and the vision of what God's doing and things throughout the sermon. But God put on three just kind of main points for us this morning. Uh, the first one is that God is calling us to use the talents he's given us to build his kingdom, and to be a blessing here at Riverview. I think it was last week, Pastor John said something like this, that God was really doing something here. We, we, it's tangible, and he's saying to grab hold of that. So don't just let what God's doing here. We, we hear all these testimonies. We see what God's doing. But for you individually, don't just let it go by. Don't just think, well, that's great for them, but well, how is it great for you? How are you being involved in what God is doing here? In Psalm 139, some of my favorite scriptures to just kind of preach about. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, but in Psalm 139, 13 through 18, it says this. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me even before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. So God has created us. Every single person here, he's created us for his glory. When he made you, he didn't just kind of like throw a glob of jello against the wall and let it just kind of fall down. God actually put a lot of intention in the way that we are. And he has gifted us and put certain desires and talents inside of us for his own glory to build his kingdom and to make disciples. And so there's some things that you think, well, this is just a kind of a weird, quirky thing about myself. But actually, it might be something that God put in you for a certain specific purpose and reason. You might like 
weird things that I think is just weird, okay? Some kind of, you know, maybe you're into stuff like you're just a, a Trekkie, Star Trek person. I don't know. But there might be some passion that you have that other people don't, but yet God can use that for his glory to reach people. And so God, it says there, my frame was not hidden from you. In Amplified, it says this, when I was being formed in secret and intricately and curiously wrought as if embroidered with various colors. I don't do any sewing. Can't really picture me like on a rocking chair. Kind of, that's just, I can't do all that. So I have a lot of patience to do that. But there are people who do. And I could imagine how much thought has to go in. If you're going to design a big quilt of how this color has to go there and this has to go there to get the design down right, it's like you have to really sit down and think about it. It's a patient process. And so God's saying that that's how he created us. It wasn't just this, up oh, there's a person. He thought and put intentions about how he created us and designed us to be. It says it's kind of like as embroidered with various colors as how he's done it. And so God not only fearfully and wonderfully makes us, he actually continually thinks precious thoughts about us. In spite of us, he thinks these precious thoughts. So next time that you go to the beach this summer or whenever it's going to be, and you think of all the grains of, of, of sand on the seashore, try to count them. You might be there forever. It's impossible. You can't. But yet God says that's the amount of precious thoughts that he thinks towards us. And that's, that's amazing. That's the love of the Father that he thinks towards us. And so we can trust him. When God's put certain things inside of us and gifted us in certain ways and talented us in certain ways, we can trust that he knows what he's doing because of his care for us and the precious thoughts that he thinks for us. We can trust his plans. We can trust him when he's put certain things in us to do for his glory. And here's the thing that I want us to get to as far as we're thinking about how we can use our gifts and abilities to build God's kingdom here at Riverview, especially. Since we're going here, this is where God has placed us. But the reality is if you do not pursue God in prayer and how God will want you to be used to make disciples and to be a blessing, you will never have joy in your Christian life. You never will. Because if God has gifted you to do something and you are just kind of like in your own little world doing your own thing and you don't step out in faith to do what he wants you to do, you're going to be a miserable person. It will never work for you. The Christian life will not work for you. But every single thing that I've ever done for the Lord that was like, this is it, he has given me such tremendous joy and contentment in doing it. Even in the hard times, even when there's things that don't go well, it's like beyond that, there's a special grace, there's a special blessing and anointing that God has when you begin to do what he's called you to do. I think of it like this, Imagine uh, you have a Siberian Husky born in Alaska, okay? Those dogs are really cool. They, they pull sleds, and they love the snow. They run around in the snow. They're bred to live in the cold. And if you would take that dog away from Alaska, and you bring him down to Brazil in South America, where it's just hot all the time. Now, the dog could survive down there and have a decent life, but there would always be something kind of missing. Say the dog went down there for five years, and now he goes back. He's back in Alaska. Can you imagine... That Siberian hussy, the first time he sets foot in the snow, he is going to be jumping up and down, running around, biting the snow, just going nuts because he's back where he was born to be. He was bred to be that way. And so there's certain things God has put inside all of us that there is such joy in doing his will, such joy in following the plans that he has for us. I remember... Some people have this when they're younger and they're in their Christian faith. It's almost like, I want to get close to God, but I almost don't want to get too close to him because I'm afraid he might call me to like go to a hut in Africa somewhere and go on the mission field. And I don't want to do that. And so some people put up like a wall with God because they're almost afraid that he's going to tell them to do something that they don't want to do. The reality is the missionaries that I know that are in a hut in Africa or in India somewhere are the happiest people you will ever, ever meet because they're doing what they were created and born to do. There is joy in serving the Lord. There is joy in doing what he wants us to do with our life. I'm going to read from Acts 17, 26 through 27. 
It says there, and he made from one, I'm going to read from the Amplified here. He made from one common origin, one source, one blood, and all nations of men to settle on the face of the earth, having uh, definitely determined their allotted periods of time and the fixed boundaries of their habitation, their settlements, lands, and abodes, so that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel after him and find him, although he is not far from each of us. So I want us to understand that we are all here today not by an accident or a coincidence. The fact that God has somehow brought you to church this morning here at Riverview is not an accident. Somehow God got a hold of your life, got a hold of your kids, whatever it was, to bring you to church today, to hear this message, to be a part of what God is doing. Even the fact that you live where you live is not an accident either. God has determined these things so that we would seek God and do what he wants us to do. It's a powerful thing to think about. And I look at my life, and now I'm here at, back at the summer camp and blessed to be with those kids and everything. It's like, there's so many things over the last couple months even that I have either turned down or a door has been closed, and I think it was all a part of what God is doing. And so there's things in your life, and sometimes, man, there is a a church that I really, really felt God wanted me to go pastor, and I was praying, and I was doing everything, and I really thought it was what he wanted. And that door got closed, and it's kind of like, huh, okay, what now? I, it, it, it stinks when you really think, you're like, I really think this is it, and then it turns out not to be it. I don't know if you've ever gone through that, where you're praying and praying and praying, and then it's, you get the wrong answer that you wanted. Never, Never happened to you. Ah, oh, <laughs> lucky you. But it's one of those things where it's like, people can tell you all the right things and they can say, well, when God, you know, closes one door, he opens another and all those good sayings. But in the middle of going through something like that, it doesn't feel any better because you're still just disappointed and hurt and and you don't know where to go with it sometimes. But the cool thing is, as you keep seeking God, as you keep in prayer, you keep surrendering your life to him, he will show you reasons why. It might not be like the next month you know why. It not might be for a few years. But if you continue to pursue God, he will work things out in your life. And you'll look back and be like, man, I didn't, that, I didn't even want that anyway. I'm so blessed where I'm at right now. I'm glad I didn't even get that. We must continue to pursue God because he has gifted us again with certain things to build his kingdom, to make disciples. And especially for us who are coming to Riverview and, and, and God has called us here He wants to use those things inside of you to help build his kingdom here. So be praying about that. If you're not sure about where you can serve God, you need to get into prayer and say, God, what am I created for? What can I do? How can I be a blessing here? And God will lead you. And remember, if you take the opposite road and you just say, ah, you know, I just want to come sit in my seat every Sunday, you're not going to be full of joy. You're going to be miserable. Please don't do that. Save yourself some trouble and just say, God, I don't want to just be a hearer of your word. Only I want to do something for your kingdom. I want to be a part of these testimonies that we're hearing every week. I want something great to happen in my life. I want to reach somebody with the gospel. The second point that I have for us this morning is that God has called each and every one of us to do the work of an evangelist. Now, an evangelist, if you don't know what that word means, it's one who is basically just continually leading and pointing and guiding others to Jesus Christ. I love reading Pilgrim's Progress, that old classic book, and there's a guy, his name is Evangelist. And throughout the whole narrative, he's, all he does is just Christians walking along to get to the celestial city, and the evangelist, all he does is keep kind of pointing. This is the path you need to go on. Go to Christ. Go to Christ. Go on the straight and narrow road. And God is calling every one of us to be that light in a dark and hurting world. In 2 Corinthians 5, I'm going to read. It's a great set of scriptures here. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. I I love that set of scriptures. All of chapter 5 is powerful there. But do you realize, as a Christian, you have a calling. You have a ministry. Ministry is not something for people who just stand behind a pulpit and say a bunch of stuff. Ministry is something that God calls every single follower of Jesus Christ to. And if you're wondering what that is, well, the Bible says it pretty clear here. We've been called to the ministry of reconciliation. So we see that uh, God has reconciled us, which means that because of our sin, at one point we all were separated from God. Because of our our wickedness and because of our evil deeds and breaking God's commandments, we all have sinned, we fall short of his glory, we're separated from God. But the moment that we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we surrender and say, Christ, forgive me of my sins, I come to you, I believe that you died on the cross, that you were buried and rose again. The moment we do that, God justifies us. He makes us into new people. The old is wiped away and all our sins are forgiven. This is why it's called good news. It's amazing, especially when you see how wretched of a person you were apart from Christ. When I look at my own life, I can see, wow, I was a messed up person heading towards hell. But I praise God that in spite of all my sin and all that stuff, because Christ took my place and the punishment for my sin and the dumb things I did was placed on him, I can walk away free. He wiped it all away. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so as he's removed our sins from us. That's amazing. It's good news. It's good news for people who aren't good in and of themselves. But as it says there, that he who knew no sin, he became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. What a powerful thing that God would look at people like us and call us and say, you are holy. You are blameless. You are righteous. And you're almost like, well, but how can that be? It's because God's not looking just at our works. He's looking at the work of Jesus Christ and what he has done on our behalf. And so because of what Christ has done, we are reconciled to God. We're brought back to him. We can call him Abba, Father, the most intimate term. We can call God our Father. And he looks at us and calls us his children. And so God has done this for us, and now he calls us to do the same for those other people who are out there who are lost and far from God. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Listen to a powerful quote from the founder of the Salvation Army, William Booth. It's a popular one, but it's really good. He says, not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come here. Then look Christ in the face, whose mercy you have professed to obey, and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. Praise God. This is, this is why we're here, to get this gospel to people who don't know Christ. This is why God is doing such a marvelous work. It's not to fill a church. It's not to have a fun time. It's because people need Jesus Christ. They need him in their life. We have to understand that each and every soul is so precious to God. And his grace, he loves, he loves people. He loves sinful people. He loves his enemies. I remember there was a time in Columbia, and uh, I was teaching a course on evangelism, and I try to get permission to take the students out. There's sometimes 150, 200 students, and we will take them out on the streets in Columbia and do some street evangelism and just talk to people and see if we can pray for somebody. We see if we can bless somebody, bring the gospel to somebody. And there was one time... I was walking with my translator. We're walking down. It's kind of late at night. It was a night class. And 
off in the distance across the street, I caught eyes uh, with a lady. And I thought, well, let's go and talk to her and see how she's doing. So we get up to her, and right away, we just, I just say, hey, my name is Drew. I'm from America. And, you know, I have my Spanish translator there for me. And I said, we just want to talk to you about God. And right away, she just broke down crying in tears. And I thought, did I offend her? What, what's going on? Why are you all of a sudden in tears? I'm just trying to talk to you. And she says, no, you don't understand. I was just walking around. I'm having all these troubles with my boyfriend, and my life is a mess. And right before you came up to me, I, I said this prayer to God. I said, God, do you even know that I exist? And now all of a sudden, you walk up to me, and you're asking me about God. And that's just so powerful. I ended up just ministering there. I ended up sharing the gospel with her. And she ended up praying with us and really knew she needed to surrender her life to Christ. And it's a powerful just little testimony of that God cares about people. He hears their prayers. He hears their hurts and their cries for help. He is with them in the midst of our mess. And he wants to come and reach them. And you know who's going to call to reach those people? Is us, the church, the body of Christ. He's the head. We are the body. We are the ones that are called to go out there and to reach those people. There's a time in Brazil that I was there. It's a smaller church, and I thought there'd be a lot more people there than there was, and I was kind of a little disappointed as I'm preaching, thinking like, wow, where are all the people at? You never know what God's going to do, though. And I was there preaching kind of more of a salvation message, and afterwards I said, hey, if anybody needs to give their life to Christ, I want you to come. I want to pray with you. I want to make sure that you know your sins are forgiven. And so a couple walked up to me and began to talk to me. And they said, the girl told me, she said, you know, before I came to church, I, I, I was at the end of, of everything. I, I was going to, if I, something didn't happen at this church service, I was going to go home and kill myself because I was at that point in life. And she said, I came here and God began to speak to me. And now I know why I came and I know that I need to surrender my life to Christ. And she ended up giving her life to Christ and praise God, she's still alive and didn't take her life. But see, this is what God wants to continually do in the lives of people. He loves sinners. He loves people. And he's calling us as a Christian to lead people to himself. God has a special love also for children, as, as Hannah was telling you all. Uh, and when I was younger in ministry, I kind of thought, like, I just want to preach to, like, the big adult congregations, I think, because it's kind of like you get mo- more notoriety or you just kind of look like a, a bit bigger preacher or something like that. And it's so cool how God has humbled me in that over the last three years. And I was blessed to work with children in a couple elementary schools, helping one-on-one with kids and I just, I mean, I, I always had a love for kids, but it, it, God just renewed it in such a powerful way. Um, and to see him moving and touching the lives of, of a child is an amazing thing. Because if they get a hold of the gospel, they get a hold of something good, they're going to have 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years of preaching the gospel and of doing something good for God's kingdom. And so there's something powerful about it. I want to share a few testimonies just that's been happening over in the school uh, recently. And basically, there is this one girl who I know, and, and she has been in the summer camp last year. She was there when I was the school age, uh, overseeing the school age in April and everything like that. And I came back this month, and I've been having our devotionals. And there was a time where I asked a question, and she had this profound answer. And she was basically saying, like, you know, about we want to serve the one and true living God, and there's other idols out there. We don't want to serve a false God. We want to see, serve the one and true living God. Just this really big and great answer. And I was kind of like blown away. I was like, wow, that's really, really good. I don't know, like thinking in my head, where did you learn that? And so I said, hey, uh, in front of the class, where did you learn that from? Or where did you get all that? And, and she's a, a girl who can just, she loves to pray, and she loves to get up and, and just says these bold and powerful prayers. And so I said, I'm thinking in my mind, like, well, she, she has to go to a good church somewhere. She has to have, like, I don't know, some Bible study training she's doing because it was just really good stuff. And so I said, where did you learn all that that you just said? And she looks at me and says, from you, Mr. Drew. Because I've been sitting, like, listening to your sermons all the time. And she's one that would. She'll stand there and she'll listen and listen and listen. She's not distracted. And I was just like, really, like, 
you got all that from listening to me. And I was just blown away like, man, that is, that's powerful. That God is using the devotionals in the school-age program and in the summer camp. And yeah, you know, they get a little antsy and things like that at times. But I've been times in this sanctuary last summer where we're going for like 50, 55 minutes because they keep on asking more and more questions. And they're into it. They're not like jumping off the walls. They're all sitting like, I want to know about heaven. I want to know about angels. I want to know about these things. And so God is doing an awesome work in this school. And it's, it's, it's overflowing into the church. And it's all about people and kids coming to fall in love with Jesus. Like, that's what it's all about. I think two weeks ago, there was um, a mom in the hallway, and she was kind of like excitedly saying, hey, are, are you Mr. Drew? Are you Mr. Drew? And I was like, hey, yeah, that's me. Yeah, what's going on? And she said, well, I don't know what you've been doing, but my little girl has been talking about you all the time at home. She keeps mentioning you, and she's so excited. when you, you, She said how you came into her room the other day and, and how you were playing tag with her out in the playground or something. And it was just so cool. Like that mom really wanted to meet me and just say thank you for being involved in her daughter's life. And I thought, well, that, that's, just, that's just awesome. It wasn't, I didn't do anything special, really. I just was like playing tag and chasing them around outside. But for whatever reason, it really impacted this little girl's life. And I know Pastor John has told you about uh, last week about the, the girl who would come in and at times she would just cry and cry and cry for hours and hours. And he said even 10 hours at home, she would cry that long. I mean, that's, it's got to hurt. Eventually, you know, you're going to lose your voice. You're, you're crying that long. That's, no kid should be like that. You know, that, that makes me, there, there's a kid that's crying or sad or something. I try to use my best skills to make that kid laugh or smile or do something. The other day, there's a, a little boy, and I think Miss Christine was kind of like, hey, can you talk to this kid? Like, he's just not wanting to go to the bathroom. He's just there crying. And so I'm, I'm like, I'm going to work my magic. Let's see if, what I can do. So I go over to him, get down on his level, start talking to him. And I don't know, maybe I like asked him about his t-shirt and then we started talking about the beach and then we started talking about going for a swim and all of a sudden he forgot that he was upset. And then he you know, wipes his tears, goes in the bathroom, comes back out and he's good to go. So it's just little stuff like that. But that, that little girl though who would cry and cry and we went and prayed for her, um, just a powerful testimony because she has over the last months just slowly gotten better and better and I would make sure I would go in and just say hi to her almost every day and make sure she's smiling and happy. And now at the point where when I leave the room, if, if I start to walk away, she'll stand there like and say really cute, are you forgetting something? And then she'll, I'll have to come and give her a hug, you know, before we leave. And I'm like, oh man. Now, and I met her mom in the hallway and she twice has just been so overwhelmed. thank you so much for taking the time out and putting extra effort into talking to her and trying to be a blessing to her. I was on a jog the other day, and I was just kind of thinking about this. And God was showing me how we do need to preach the gospel. We must use words, absolutely. It is a message. But there is something powerful when families and children are witnessing the love of God in action and they're seeing uh, these things happen. They're seeing that extra care and love that comes from the Father. So then when I go and I I maybe invite one of these kids or invite their families to a movie night or to something we're doing or invite them to church, it's not just words from some person. It's like, wow, that's somebody who I know loves my kids and who loves me as a person. And so there's power behind that. And God is calling us to do that. I, I know I, I, I spent a lot of years taking mission trips in the mission field, and, and I'm going to continue to do that, and I love doing that. And, but, but there's something powerful about living in the community where you go to church. There's something powerful about doing what Jesus did, which was he came down into our messy situation to save us and to love us and to help bring us to God. And so God's calling us as a church, to do that with people, to see, hey, there's a messed up person there. They may be an atheist, they may hate God, whatever, but to be involved in their life, to be a blessing to them, to look for ways that you can love on them. So then when you do preach the gospel to them, when you do have the opportunity to invite them to church, there's power behind your words because of the actions and the prayers that you've put into it for those people. We have to be praying for these people. We have to be praying and believing God to bring them to his kingdom. The last point that I want to make here before we close out here 
is that revival always starts through prayer. What I love about this church is it is a church who prays. The first time I went back in the prayer room, just started to pray a little bit. I was like, whoa, God's presence is all over this place. This is awesome. It's not hard. It just was kind of like, wow, God is just here. And I want you to understand, for those of you who have been here for years, and me coming kind of an outsider, is like, God is stirring some things up here. There are some Holy Spirit things that are happening here. Um, and I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. I think it's going to grow and get bigger, and more and more things are going to be happening here. And I've heard Pastor John talk about revival before. And, and I'm the type of person, listen, I don't believe in come in you know, July and we're going to have a revival this week. I just, I just don't really believe that. But I do believe there are times where God plans to have revival and he starts to stir people up. He starts to stir communities up. And all of a sudden, things start happening. And you're just like, I've been doing this exact same thing for the last seven years. And all of a sudden now, God's doing this stuff. And it's like, why does it happen? Well, like, did we do something differently? I don't know. God is just good. It's just good to do it at his timing and in his ways. And I, wanted, I, want us to st- I want to stir us up about revival. And when I think of revival and some of the testimonies I've heard and, and things I've, I've, I've listened to about revival is, is that God's just not going to just touch our little group of people, but he's going to bring sinners from all over the place, across denominations, across churches, where he just brings people to himself, brings an awareness of his presence in a whole community. And I believe God is doing some of those things here. One of my favorite revivals to read about was one on the islands of Scotland called the Hebrides Revival. It took place in 1949. And there's a, a preacher named Duncan Campbell. And he brought this preacher there uh, a few weeks after the revival had already broken out. And Duncan Campbell, you can look online. He has a whole audio recording of just some of the testimonies in this revival. Just powerful stuff. And so I want to share just a little bit of what God was doing there. Because I want to stir us up to believe God for those types of things to be happening here. I think the groundwork is laid for revival here because there's a bunch of people here who just want to pray, who just want to do what God wants them to do. And so I want to stir us up with, to listen to some of these testimonies. He said this, An awareness of God gripped the community as such as hadn't been known for over 100 years. An awareness of God, that's revival. That's revival. He said, on the following day, the looms were silent. I don't know what it is to work on a loom, but, you know, back then they they did those. The looms were silent. Little work was done on the farms as men and women gave themselves to thinking on eternal things gripped by eternal realities. On one of the first nights that Duncan Campbell arrived at his islands, he preached in a church service. There was about 300 people there. It's a good message, you know, nothing unusual, just preached a good sermon, things like that. After the service, as he's walking down the aisle of church to leave, uh, with him was a young deacon who just had a heart for prayer. And the young deacon um, was there walking down the aisle, and all of a sudden, before the service is about to let out, this young man looks to heaven, and he cries out, God, you can't fail us. God, you can't fail us. You promised to pour water on the thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. God, you can't fail us. And soon he was on his knees in the aisle and he was still praying. And he kind of fell into a trance for about 15 minutes. Now it's getting a little later. It's 11 p.m. now. Just as it turned 11, the church door opens and a local blacksmith comes in and says, Mr. Campbell, something wonderful has happened. Oh, we were praying that God would pour out water on the thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. And listen, he's done it. He's done it. When I went to the church of door and I, and I opened the doors, I saw a congregation of approximately 600 people. 600 people. Where had they come from? What had happened? I believe that that very night, God swept in Pentecostal power, the power of the Holy Ghost. And what happened in the early days of the apostles was happening now in the parish of Barvis. He goes on to explain, over 100 young people were at a dance in the parish hall, and they weren't thinking of God, weren't thinking of eternity. God was not in any of their thoughts. They were there to have a good night. When suddenly the power of God fell on the dance, the music ceased, and in a matter of minutes, the hall was empty. 
They fled from the hall as a man fleeing from a plague, and they made their way for the church. Now they're standing outside. Oh, yes, they saw lights in the church, that a house of God was there. Men and women who had gone to bed rose, dressed, and made for the church. Nothing in the way of publicity, no mention of a special effort that was going on. But God took the situation in hand. He became his own publicity agent. A hunger and thirst gripped the people. 600 of them are now standing outside the church. So now all the people squeeze into the church and they pile on in. There's over 800 people. The church is packed full. And the blacksmith suggests that they sing a psalm. And so they all with great passion began singing praises to God. As Duncan Campbell's walking down the aisles, he hears a young lady laying prostrate on the floor by the pulpit and she's praying Oh God, is there mercy for me? Oh God, is there mercy for me? She was one of those who was at the dance, but is now laying prostrate on the floor, crying out to God for mercy in her life. This is what I see when I study the history of revival. There's always a a great awareness of God's presence, where he's just there. And whether you're a sinner or a saint and anybody in between, you just know that God is there. This meeting then continued to 4 a.m. in the morning. He wasn't sure how many people got saved his first night that he was there, but he said five of the people from this meeting went on to become pastors. As this move of God continued through the night, someone came to the church and said, Mr. Campbell, you must come with me at once. There are 400 people gathered around the police station. The people of the town knew the sergeant of the police station was a God-fearing man. It just happened to be next to the police station where was the cottage of two sweet old ladies. And we'll get to those a bit later. And so this was, a, 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 there even was a testimony of a whole wagon full of people that have come there from 12 miles away in the middle of the night, not understanding why, but I just need to get to the town of Barvis. And they just had this com- com- compel to go to this town because God was drawing people there. Campbell recalls, now if anyone would ask them why, how did it happen, who arranged it, they couldn't tell you. But they found themselves grouping together, talking about the police station, grouping together and someone saying, what about going to Barvis? I don't know, I have a hunger in my heart to go there. I can't explain it, they couldn't explain it, but God had the situation in hand. And even as Campbell's walking along the road to the police station, just as he's walking along the road, he could hear people crying out by the roadside. He could hear men crying out to God for mercy. He went over to the cries and found four young men on their knees along the roadside. They were just previously at a dance, had been drinking, not thinking about God, doing anything really of eternal worth. And now they were there crying out to God for mercy. That night, God saved those young men, and one of them even became a pastor, went on to Bible school. In fact, all the leaders of that same church were saved during this revival. He says, now when I got to the police station, I saw something that will be with me as long as I live. I didn't preach. There was no need for preaching. We didn't even sing. The people were already there crying out to God for mercy. He said, oh, the confessions that were made. There was one old man crying out, oh God, hell is too good for me. Hell is too good for me. And so what was happening is the Holy Spirit was convicting people of their unrighteousness, convicting people that they're not living right, that they're not in right relation to God. And he's like, I didn't even need to preach. They were already at that point where they're just crying out, God, save me. And this is revival. This is what God begins to do. Now, remind you, Duncan goes on to say that it was the very first night of a mighty demonstration that shook the island. Oh, let me say again, there wasn't the beginning of revival. Revival began in a prayer meeting. Revival began in an awareness of God. Revival began when the Holy Spirit began to grip men, and that's how it began. And listen, there are so many more amazing stories like those if you would go and check out the revival in the Hebrides Islands. But one last point that I want to uh, make before we leave is, is how do you think this great revival started? Maybe it started when some great evangelist came there to the islands on a week-long crusade. Nope, that's not it at all. Maybe it started when 
the most talented singers, gospel singers of their day, came and did this great performance for the people of Scotland. Nope, not again. Maybe it started when the world's most popular pastor preached an inspirational message to the people of Scotland. Nope, not again. How did this great revival start? It started when two old ladies became greatly disturbed that there were no young people in their church. It started when two old ladies began to be angry and disturbed that the young people in their community were not in church and were not following the Lord. One was 84 years old and the other was 82. It was completely blind. But they had a burden for prayer, a burden to see young people come to know Jesus Christ. There's no famous evangelist. There was no big crusade, no concert, no inspirational message. No celebrity came together to grow, to have some big crowd. It was two old ladies in their 80s who began to pray. And this was the start of the revival. The verse that God put on their heart was, I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. And so they were burdened and desperate. They would pray sometimes from 10 p.m. to 3 o'clock in the morning. As they were praying, God gave one of them a vision for their church. And they saw their church crowded with young people, hungry for the things of God. The burden increased, and eventually they asked the pastor and some elders to meet out in a barn every Tuesday and Friday to pray for revival. And they prayed this way for about a month and a half. And this was the start of revival. And listen, it's not hard to do. You don't have to have any talent. You don't even have to be able to see physically. You don't even have to be able to hear. You don't have to be able to walk. As long as you can pray. As long as you can cry out to God to do something great in our community, in our church, God can spark something awesome here at Riverview. And I believe the groundwork has already been laid and I believe these things are going to happen more and more. I think the testimony times that we do, we're going to have to like have a, a lit cap limit because we're going to be able to go for an hour, hour and a half, two hours of the things that God is beginning to do in our lives and our family's lives. And that's awesome. I would love to run into that problem where it's just, well, there's just too many testimonies today. We have to close it down. I think that's going to start to happen. There's a quote by Andrew Bonner, and he says this, Oh, brother, pray. In spite of Satan, pray. Spend hours in prayer. Rather neglect friends than not pray. Rather fast and lose breakfast, dinner, tea, and supper, and even sleep too, than to not pray. You must not talk about prayer. You must pray in right earnest. Amen. So in conclusion, Uh, this morning, I want us to understand that God has blessed us with those certain gifts and abilities and passions, and God is looking for you to use them to make disciples for his kingdom here at Riverview. Don't miss it. Grab hold of what God is doing. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed in the way that God uses you to bring other people to his kingdom. God has called us to the ministry of reconciliation He's called us to be that light, that beacon of hope out there in the world, to be that evangelist saying, this is the way to go. Go this way. Here is Christ. You need him. He's calling all of us to do that with our friends, our families, our neighbors, the people around us we work with. He's calling to do that for the children at school, for kids that you know. I want to mention, man, Abby prayed. There's a a girl in the back there, Abby, who prayed um, last week, and her prayer As she's there in tears, sobbing, she was praying for a a little friend of hers that didn't know Jesus Christ. And I tell you, I was convicted by it. Like, when's the last time I cried like that for a friend that didn't know Christ? When's the last time that I was burdened like that for somebody who didn't know the Lord? We need that. We need that purity. We need that faith. We need that love to say, God, man, I don't want them to go to hell. Lord, work in their lives. We have to have that passion. Children, show us how to do it. Kids, show us how to pray. We need that. We just, man, who cares? Who sees you? Who cares if the floor is wet from my tears, but God, just save my friend who I love. Man, we start to pray like that. God is going to move and do some awesome things. Or all of a sudden, you've talked to somebody for the last years, talked to your family members for years, and all of a sudden, hey, uh, 
can I come to church with you this Sunday? Hey, uh, remember that time you talked to me about Jesus? What, tell me a little bit more about that. I believe God is going to begin to do these things. And the last part in conclusion is just that, man, to be having our eyes fixed on the harvest. That in revival, there's a harvest out there all around us of people that are all messed up and don't know the Lord and that are bound by their sin. And we are the ones that can come and bring them the good news. And I believe God is going to do that and bring revival here through the power of prayer. And it's awesome because, again, we don't have to be have all the glitz and glam. We don't need a fog machine. We don't need all this stuff. What we need is prayer. We need our hearts seeking out the face of God. And God will do the rest as we obey him and do what he's called us to do. Amen. Amen. Let's end in prayer. Oh, Father, you're so good, Lord. You're so good to us, God. Lord, I pray that we would have a, a just, as in that revival, just an awareness of your presence, God an awareness of you in our life, God, whether that be at home, whether that be when we're watching TV or in our prayer room or wherever they're at our job, whether we're out in the community, whether we're just pushing a kid on the swing. So let us have an awareness of your presence and of your love and what you're doing, God. I thank you here, Lord, for everybody who's come here today, God. I I ask that you would give us uh, and speak to our hearts, of how you would have us to serve you here, how that we can love you here, God, how that we can do your will to build your kingdom. That Redding and Muhlenberg and the children that are here and the families that are here would come to love you, would come to worship you, that they would come and say, I just love being in the presence of God. I just love to worship. Can we, can we have another service going on? Well, Sunday's not enough for us. That, God, you would just work and you would just move. Thank you, Lord, for doing what you're doing here and what you're going to continue to do, Lord. It's all for your glory, God. It's nobody here. It's none of our egos, God. It's all you, Lord, that you are doing it because of your great love for people. Thank you so much, Lord, for all that you did today and are continuing to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.